Hey, Run Jump Stomp. It's Kaiju Guy, long listener of all of your shows, come and gone. Uh, I had a thought on digital versus uh, physical games. For me, I do like having a box and maybe even a cartridge, but preferably discs to uh, put on my shelf and look at. But I also like the convenience, like you said, of being able to just click on a game that I have digitally and immediately launch it. Um, so recently what I've been doing is I've got it good with my uh, with my pals at GameStop, and since they don't really sell uh, any different uh, price for a game that has the case and a game that doesn't have the case, what I'll usually do is buy a game digitally, go to the GameStop, and get a case from my friends there for free because they just will give it to me. And I'll put that case on a shelf, kind of like what they're doing with Wolfenstein Youngblood, so I have that tangible thing to look at while I also have my digital games. Thanks, man. You're doing a great job. Have a good day. On episode 21 of Run, Jump, Stomp, Capcom has a weird arcade stick. Oh, that sounds dirty. Uh, Captain Logan asks, what's good about GameStop? We've got demos, maybe? Maybe not. Uh, And Epic hands out an olive branch. That's what's up on this episode of Run, Jump, Stomp, your thoughts on games. All right, everybody, we are back with episode 21 of Run, Jump, Stomp. This is the show where you guys give me things to talk about. So let's start off by letting everybody know how to get a hold of me. You can send me a message at Run, Jump, Stomp on Twitter. Use the hashtag RJSPod because I have other shows and it helps me filter things. And look, if you want to get this show and my other shows ad-free for as little as a dollar... It's super easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash run, jump, stomp. Big thank you to those people who support the show in any way. I really do appreciate it. Let's jump in with our very first story of the day. Tunnel Runner from CBS Electronics, where the excitement never ends. I'm not trapped. I'm not trapped. Uh, Man, oh man. Capcom, Capcom, Capcom. You're breaking rules. All right, There's, there's a rule about open source software. If software is open source, then you basically need permission from the people who wrote it in order to take that software and sell it. You making a profit from it requires their permission. That's how open source or open source software works. It's hard to say open source software. Um, Capcom has recently... And if you haven't seen this yet, go to my YouTube channel uh, or or check out the show notes and you've got to see this thing. It is an arcade stick from Capcom and you betcha, it is basically a giant Capcom logo. That's exactly what it is. It's two players side by side. It's an arcade stick and the whole thing just looks like a giant Capcom logo, which is one of the craziest things I've ever heard. Oh, here's a better picture of it uh, for those of you who are watching. It's a giant Capcom logo. It doesn't look like it's comfortable to use. Um, I I mean, what if you want to play this by yourself instead of sitting next to somebody? What if you're just playing a solo game? This doesn't seem like the best idea. 
But, you know, that's not even the most important part about this. The important part about this is that this uh, this is one of those... Do I have one handy? I don't think I have one handy. It, it's Capcom's version of a mini console. You can see I've got a bunch of them on the shelf right over there. So, like, think NES Classic, Super Nintendo Classic, PlayStation Classic... Uh, all of those are right down there, and we've got the upcoming Sega Classic. Well, Capcom decided, hey, we want to get on the, get, get in on this action. We're going to call it the Capcom Home Arcade, and it is basically two giant, uh, one giant thing that you sit on your lap. Hopefully, you're really good friends with the person next to you, uh, but it's this huge thing you sit on your lap, and it's got two joysticks and a bunch of buttons. Uh, Jay Harley and seventeen in chat says. It looks super cool. I don't think, I mean, yes, it looks cool, but I don't think that it, um, I don't think it would be great to play on, if that makes sense. I could be wrong, though. Uh, let, it, 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 w- the website, boy, can I talk today? Uh, the website basically is saying that the Capcom Home Arcade is the authentic gaming experience uh the greatest capcom arcade games experienced on the ultimate home arcade all right uh authentic gaming featuring a pair of competition class sanwa jlftp 8yt sticks that's sanwa jlftp 8yt sticks with an eight-way gty directional gates and obsf buttons for the finest precision response times and durability the 16, how many? 16. There's 16 pre-installed games in this, baby. The 16 pre-installed games are from the original Capcom CPS1 and CPS2 arcade ROMs with emulation provided by FB Alpha, delivering an authentic and accurate arcade experience exclusively for the Capcom Home Arcade. Okay, sounds neat. What are the 16 games, you might ask? Well, I'm going to tell you. We've got 1944, The Loop Master, Alien vs. Predator, Armored Warriors, Capcom Sports Club, Captain Commando, Cyberbots, Dark Stalkers, uh, The Night Warriors, Echo Fighters, Final Fight, Goblin, no, Ghouls and Ghosts, Gigawing, Mega Man, The Power Battle, um, Pro Gear, I think that says. I, I can't tell. I think it says Pro Gear. Uh, Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting, Strider, and Puzzle Fighter 2, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. Okay. Well, that sounds cool. I mean, we've got a lot of games here. So, how does it work? Well, it's pretty simple. You take the uh, there's two cords that come out of it. One of them is USB power. So you got to plug that in. And then the other one is HDMI output. So you plug that into the TV and it has Wi-Fi on board. I'm not sure why something like this would want to ha- would need to have Wi-Fi. Um, but it has Wi-Fi on board. How much do you guys think that we should spend on something like that? I'm going to ask chat real quick. Chat. What do you think something like this costs? 
Uh, what do you think would be a fair price for this? That's what I want to know first. But I'm going to let them ruminate about that for just a little bit. Uh, and I am recording this live over at twitch.tv slash run jump stomp, of course. While they're thinking about that, I want to tell you the biggest problem with this whole thing. The biggest problem with this whole thing, I already said, it uses FB Alpha as its emulation. All right. FB Alpha as its emulation. Now, what about FB Alpha makes it bad? Well, FB Alpha is open source. Okay. And FB Alpha, because it's open source, requires that the people who wrote the actual code sign off on it being used. Now, according to Capcom, it says here, FB Alpha has been licensed by Capcom Home Arcade. We don't know what that process was like. However, the software's licensing language um, says that basically not everyone from FB Alpha uh, is on board. Uh, one of the contributors to FB Alpha uh, on the development forum uh, said, I am strongly against camp on this as well. I am very against somebody profiting from my work unless it's me. Of course, I have never accepted payment for my emulation work. I'm considering pulling out all of the code I wrote and ported to FBA. This would effectively make FBA back into a CPS and Neo Geo emulator. Uh, This is, listen, Capcom, you have to follow the rules. Yes, they wrote emulation of stuff that you made. Okay, so they emulated it. But you have a license with FB Alpha. Uh, You know what? Now that I'm saying this out loud, I almost feel like whoever's in charge of FB Alpha is to blame here and maybe not um, maybe not Capcom. All right, because Capcom made a deal with whoever has F, uh, licenses FB Alpha, and it seems like the people who licensed FB Alpha, they like they didn't get permission from everybody who wrote code for it. So it seems like they're getting a profit, and Capcom's certainly going to turn a profit, especially when you hear the price of this friggin' thing. But the people who wrote the code that emulates the stuff, the software that's going to be on this device, they're not making a profit off this. And some of them are saying, you better pull my code out of this thing uh, because I didn't approve it. And that is very interesting. All right, so let's take a look and see what chat says. Uh, Joel Mead in chat says, no more than 25 to 30 bucks. Brav says, 30 bucks, 35 maybe. Jay Harley 17 says, I would say 100, maybe just for the looks of the thing, but I would maybe get it at 60. Um Let's see, anybody, no, everybody else uh, is quiet about it. All right, you guys ready to hear the price? Okay, the price for this thing is $260. Let me say that one more time. $260 for 16 games and a fighting stick. And while, yes, the fighting stick looks really cool, there's no doubt that it looks cool. Okay, but $260 cool? Are you out of your mind? 
Like, there's no way that this is worth that amount of money. I know arcade sticks are expensive. But $260? Come on. Get off of whatever crack you are smoking. Because that is that is just crazy town. Anyway... It seems like Capcom's dropping the ball all over the place. And if you guys have an opinion on this, I would absolutely love to hear what you think about Capcom's shenanigans with their home arcade. Let me know. Tweet at me. uh, Use the hashtag RJSPOD. Let's talk about GameStop and why I like them now. Words can't describe the endless challenge of Super Mario World, so we let the players do the talking. This went on longer than I thought it was going to. Super Mario World is here. It's one of the new generation of Nintendo games. It comes only with Super Nintendo, and it's like nothing you've ever faced now you're playing with power superpower okay i need to edit that audio file down a lot holy cow that was a really long uh interstitial sorry about that uh captain logan tweeted at me uh and they actually tweeted at me before the last episode but i the last episode was really full already and i also kind of forgot about the tweet so sorry captain logan uh, but they tweeted at me and said hey at run jump stomp uh, are used game stores acting as a means to aggregate old games for newer generations and keep them out of landfills longer? Does digital help with landfill issues, even if we might lose out on games not being preserved in the future? All right. So, I, Captain Logan, thank you so much for taking the time to tweet at me. Let's Let's talk about this for a second, because I often talk about the things that I can't stand about GameStop. But this is a really good point. This is a perspective that I'd never really thought about. The idea that if it weren't for places like GameStop, then a lot of the things that we play and then get sick of, like they might just end up in the trash. Like I, Not everybody has a giant wall Uh, like a shrine to video games that they can have in their house. I'm lucky. My wife let me design a a recording studio in here and have this ridiculous wall of stuff with all of my decorations all over the room. I should do a studio tour sometime, um, sometime soon. We'll see. Uh, But like not everybody can do that. My wife is awesome and she let me do that. Uh, So what happens to this stuff when you're done with it? Like when you what happens to your PS2 games? You people have their PS2 games, but then they had their PS3 and then their PS4 and their Xbox one and their Xbox 360. And they've got all this stuff. And quite often people will take that stuff and they'll put it in boxes and maybe put it in the garage. And, uh, you know, in the summertime, maybe they'll try and do a yard sale, try and get people to come and, and buy these things. And maybe after a couple of years and nobody buying them, uh, they'll say, you know, I just, I need to get rid of this stuff because it's cluttering up my life. And what do they do? They, they take it to the dump, you know, that's what would definitely happen if we didn't have a place to sell our used games. So the idea of GameStop 
actually serving the future a little bit is cool because you know i i guarantee that there's there's some people out there who have like an old ps2 or something that their kids play in fact i know some of my students have told me yeah we have a ps2 at home or we have an xbox 360 at home or we have an old sega genesis at home that's their gaming system they don't have the new games which was really surprising to me uh that uh younger kids have some of this stuff at home and they can't download the games and it's not like they can find the games everywhere but the one place that they can go is to a GameStop to try and buy something for these old systems so not only does it help us um keep these games for younger generations but it also keeps the games out of landfills i mean god there's there's think of et for the atari 2600 i think i have one behind me someplace yeah there it is let me grab it yeah et for the atari 2600 this is one of the most um despised video games in all of history i think it has a bad rap definitely has a bad rap it's not a great game and it's 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 not the worst game in the world but it's certainly not awesome but it's okay i played it when i was a kid and it didn't bother me at all um et was made in like two months i could be wrong about this it was made in two months by the same guy that made raiders of the lost ark for the atari 2600 and what was the other one oh the one that was right next to it, Yar's Revenge. Yar's Revenge is this cool game where you are flying around. A little piece of video game trivia is that this is called Yar's Revenge because it says Ray backwards. And they were t- he was referring to Ray Kazar uh, over at Atari. Um, Pac-Man approves of that game. So E.T., like that ended up in a landfill. Lots of lots and lots of video games ended up in a landfill at the um, at the video game crash in 1983 when Atari overplayed their hand and everybody was trying to emulate Atari and bring out their own system and there was just the market was way oversaturated for the time and the uh, the retailers said look these things aren't selling and not only that but we don't have room on our shelves for an Atari uh, and then a ColecoVision and an Intellivision and uh, whatever a Vision and a Fairchild Channel F and a uh, uh, the orange thing that I have back there. The um, oh, where is it? There it is. The TV Game Six from Nintendo. Uh, they didn't have room on their shelf for all that stuff, so they said, "That's it. We're not carrying this stuff anymore." The like Atari didn't do any quality control on their software, so the market got flooded with really, really bad games. Really, really bad games. Okay, E.T. Uh, they got they got flooded with these really bad games and people started saying, I, I don't, I, I'm not interested in video games anymore because most of the video games that we have are garbage. So because of that, the, uh, you know, the, the market crashed and famously Atari took, many of their cartridges, everybody thought it was just the ET ones, but Atari took many of their cartridges and put them in landfills. They just threw them away. 
and used game shops, which is something that certainly didn't exist at the time, but used game shops, you know, they could have saved some of these. Uh, in fact, there's this whole documentary about uh, how Microsoft uh, paid for this documentary to find where the Atari cartridges were buried and dig them up in the landfill uh, to to either prove the uh, the rumor, the what's it called when it's like a, a oh the urban legend, prove the urban legend true or not. Uh, but you know, I think that a lot more video games might suffer the same fate as as old ET here did, if not for secondhand video game stores. And that's that's definitely something that we want to keep in mind. It may be the most addictive toy in history, and it's definitely the hottest thing this Christmas. Uh, I got a tweet from Smash Block Games, and they asked a really, really good question. And this is something that I, I've talked about on my shows before, but Smash Block Games brought up what happened to demos. Do you remember demo discs in magazines? Demos are a great way to try games, and I'm on the fence about buying games or give a taste when I want... Well, let me reread that. Um, Punctuation is important there, Smashblock. Demos are a great way to try games I am on the fence about buying, comma, or give the taste I want when I don't have the time to invest into the entire game. Okay, I get what he's saying there. Uh, I'd love to see more demos as we move into the digital age of gaming. So if you're old like me, then you probably remember going and getting magazines. And you would open up the magazines and in there would be demo discs. Actually, if you're really old like me, and we're talking like fossil kind of stuff here. I used to, back in the day, I would go to, there was a local computer shop. And you could go there and buy a magazine. And in the back of the magazine, there was a, what is the word I'm looking for? There was a, uh, the code for a game. So you would open up the magazine, you would turn on your computer and the code was in basic. You remember basic, the language? And then you would sit there and you would type the code in all of it. And then you would hit run and then you could play a game. So Demos kind of came a long way by the time we had discs in magazines, but I totally remember like you could get uh, demos out of a magazine or sometimes games would come with a demo of another game on it, which was really brilliant marketing because these discs didn't cost very much money. They were really, really cheap to make and being able to say, Hey, here's our, here's our game. By the way, if you like our game, you might like this other game by us. And and so people would play that demo and then they would they would play the game. But you know, I've I've heard some developers say things like the whole reason demos have disappeared is because too often the demos would not succeed at selling the game to the player. Uh the demo wouldn't hook the player. And I feel like that's because of the age of when it was happening. This was happening, demos, demo discs were happening the most. Sorry, I just hit the microphone. Uh, They were happening the most back in the age of lots of movie tie-ins and things like that. 
And it was usually a lot of low effort movie tie-ins. So we would play these demos and be like, man, this game's kind of terrible. And we would put it away. But I can tell you multiple times where a demo has sold me on a game. Um, Splatoon, no, not Splatoon 2, ARMS. There we go. ARMS on the Nintendo Switch. When they showed that game off at their their January 2017 uh, live event... When I saw that, I was like, oh, no, Nintendo, what are you doing? This is more motion control crap, and we don't want that. We want real games. And I know, not all motion control games are bad, but I'm just not a fan of games that are all about motion control. I'm not a fan of the waggle. I prefer games that are button pushes. Um, but when that when the ARMS Global Test Punch came out and I tried it out, I was like, oh man, this is really cool. And it's like my second favorite fighting game of all time. I mean, my favorite fighting game of all time is Smash. But ARMS is like my second favorite fighting game of all time. And I think that it's really important when a developer thinks that they've got something good. When they think, man, we nailed it this time. They should put out a demo. Because if they don't, then that's a big mistake. But... I also feel like when a developer puts out a demo and it's trash, that's on them. That's totally their fault. And quite often when it when a game developer won't put out a demo, it makes me worry that they don't have any confidence in what they're making. Does that make sense? I, I, I hope it does. I, I'm totally with Smash Block Games on this, though. Demos should come back in a big way. And if you, developers, if you're listening, and you should be, because it's a pretty good show. I think so. Uh, but if you're listening, if you think that you did a good job on your game, and you know if you did or not, but if you think you did a good job on your game and it's a fun game, make a demo, because that is the best way to sell it to somebody. Now, I will say this. There is another example of how demos have pushed me away from games. And I'm going to give you a very, very specific example. Um, Monster Hunter games on the 3DS. I have tried multiple demos of the Monster Hunter games on the 3DS. And I found them all confusing, poorly made, frustrating, and not fun in the least okay having said all of that when monster hunter world came out for the ps4 i bought it and i had a lot of fun with that game and because of it i went out and i bought monster hunter generations ultimate on the switch and i had a lot of fun with that and that's a game that was actually a port from the 3ds version i think i actually tried a demo of monster hunter generations whatever it was called on the 3ds and i said this is a big pile steam in a garbage no this is this is hot dumpster fire and so i said i'm not playing this but i really like that game i had a bad demo you if if developers if you're gonna if you if you think you did a good job on your game make a demo but make it a good demo don't first off don't have it be like the first couple of minutes of the game because 
quite often that doesn't pull people in. Unless it's got a really cool hook right at the beginning, it's not going to pull people in. You got to have, you can't just take out a small section of the game and set it aside and say, okay, there's your demo. You got to put work into it. Think of it as marketing. If you're willing to spend money on marketing, you should be willing to spend money on a demo. And I think that at the end of the day, that would be best for everybody involved, uh, both video game manufacturers and us, the players, because I think there's a lot of times where there's some fantastic games out there that just get ignored because they're just no good demo or no demo at all. So, uh, and, and, and I've said this on podcasts before, this is a game that should have a demo because it's awesome and nobody's paying attention to it. You know, that kind of thing. All right, let's, uh, let's take a look at story four. Ah, oh, this is really good. This is a great, great olive branch from Tim Sweeney. Now, if you don't know who Tim Sweeney is, Tim Sweeney, uh, is a guy who, uh, basically is in charge of Epic Games. And there's this, there's this, uh, thread, uh, from Tim Sweeney, uh, about, about the current controversy when it comes to, uh, video games or, um, I'm sorry, video game stores on PC. So I'm going to do a quick TLDR catch you up version. Uh, Epic games is they make Fortnite and they have buckets of cash because of Fortnite. Okay. They want to make a video game store to break the monopoly that steam has. Sounds like a good idea, right? Steam has a monopoly. They don't really innovate anymore. They just have been sitting there collecting their money. Um, so they use their giant buckets of money. The Epic games does. They throw it at developers and they say, come and, and be an exclusive on our platform and we will give you money. And not only that, but we will also give you a higher revenue share than Steam does. This is very, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Palatable? I don't think, uh, attractive? I think that's the word I'm looking for. This is a very, very attractive proposition from Epic Games to a developer. Like, if I were a developer, why wouldn't I want to do that? Why wouldn't I? Well, there's a couple reasons. The Epic Games Store doesn't have as many features. Uh, it's brand new. Doesn't have as many users. The Steam uh, Steam has a, a whole jillion users. That's a real number, right? Uh, they got lots and lots of users over there. And uh, Tim Sweeney was talking to people on, on Twitter. And I'm not going to read the entire thread because it goes on pretty for a pretty long time. Um, so... At Rigged for Epic uh, tweets at Tim Sweeney. They said, Tim, I know your current strategy is to go after exclusives to get a foothold in the PC gaming landscape. But is there a scenario that would see you rethink this? There is so much bad will towards Epic right now. Wouldn't it be better to grow a store on customer value and community? And I have said this a million times. This is my biggest problem with the way that Epic is going about this. It'd be better if they just had a better platform. In fact, um, I said on my last episode that whichever store has the best features, that's the one that's going to win. And Lawworthy tweeted at me. They said, Borderlands 3 sounds like a pretty good feature. And he's not wrong, but it's not a feature. It's a game. Uh, And I, 
I, I disagree with what he's saying, although I know it, that that tweet was kind of tongue in cheek, or at least I think so. Well, uh, Tim Sweeney replied to Rigged for Epic, who, by the way, did a much better job um, getting my opinion out than I did. Uh, but Tim Sweeney replied, he said, that is a loaded question. But if Epic will stay the course, 30% store dominance is the number one problem for PC developers, publishers, and everyone who relies on those businesses for their livelihood. We're determined to fix it, and this is the one approach that will affect major change. So what's he, what's he saying here? He's saying, look, we know that it's, we know that it's people off. We know. But we're willing to people off if that means that we can change the landscape for the better. And for the most part, when I look at what he said there, I was like, is that really, really what you're thinking? I don't know if I buy it. Okay. So then at GV underscore Delchev says, are you saying that if Valve decided to reduce its rev share to 12% or even 10%, that you would immediately stop doing exclusives? I mean, your fight would be won then, right? Oh, man. I mean, talk about backing somebody into a corner. That is some... That, like, Georgie or Yorgi? I don't know how to say your name, dude. I'm sorry, but way to go. I mean, well played. Now, at this point, I expect uh, PR speak to come out of Tim Sweeney's mouth and for him to just start saying all kinds of uh, PR bullshit that we all know isn't true. Okay? So let's see what he said. Oh my God, this is great. He said, you mean permanently and without major strings attached? And and Mr. Del- Delchev says, I mean, Valve operates how it does today, except that they come out and say that they are going to slash their revenue cut and do not plan on increasing it in the future. In such a scenario, will you still give money for exclusives and compete with them? And Tim Sweeney replied, If Steam committed to a permanent 88% revenue share for all developers and publishers without major strings attached, Epic would hastily organize a retreat from exclusives while honoring our partner commitments and consider putting our own games on Steam. Holy cow, that is, forgive the pun, epic. That is pretty amazing. He has basically said, look, the only reason that we're doing this, the only reason we're doing this is to break the Steam Monopoly. And I thought that that was just a bunch of nonsense. I didn't believe them. But for him to say this, that if Steam permanently says, look, we're going to match your revenue share to make things better for developers then, okay, we're going to stop doing what we're doing, which is trying to force our way into the system to break the monopoly. And I think that that's awesome. Uh, Tim Sweeney then replied to that. He said, such a move would be a glorious moment in the history of PC gaming and would have sweeping impact on other platforms for generations to come. Then stores could go back to just being nice places to buy stuff rather than the game developer IRS. So man, what a what an awesome tweet. I think that this is 
uh, fantastic thing that he has said. And just what a what a great, great, great thing for them to do. Uh, will it happen? I don't know. Who knows? There's only one way to find out, and that's to wait. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully it does happen. All right, let's wrap up the show. Look, guys, if you like this show, you're probably going to like my other shows. Go to runjumpstomp.com slash shows and check those shows out. Uh, the music at the end of today's show is I have forgotten, but I will put it in the show notes. What is it? I think it was. It was by it's right at the tip of my my damn brain. I can't remember. It was by. Oh, my gosh, this is so bad. I'm looking it up right now because I feel dumb. And no, I can't look it up while I'm. Oh, there we go. I believe it's Tony Lay's Through a Cardboard World, but I could be wrong. Uh, make sure that you check it out. It's playing right now, or at least it's a, it's about to play. Thank you for listening. I will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.